Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord God, for February 23rd. Today's reading, Leviticus chapter 14, 1 through 57. Lord, we ask you, Jesus, Jehovah Rofi, Jehovah our shepherd, Jehovah our banner, Jehovah Tishkinu, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Jireh, everything in Jesus. Amen. Okay, honey, I will go ahead and read. Okay. Leviticus. And the Lord said to Moses. Leviticus what? I said 14, oh. 1 to 57. Oh, I didn't we would have been listening. Huh? <laughs> okay. Okay. And the Lord said to Moses, The following instructions are for those seeking ceremonial purification from a skin disease. Those who have been healed must be brought to the priest who will examine them at a place outside the camp. If the priest finds that someone has been healed of a serious skin disease, the he will perform a purification ceremony using two live birds that are ceremony clean, a stick of cedar, some scarlet yarn, and a hyssop branch. The priest will order that the one bird be slaughtered over a clay pot filled with fresh water. He will take the live bird, the cedar stick, the scarlet yarn, and the hyssop branch and dip them into the blood of the bird that was slaughtered over the fresh water. The priest then will sprinkle the blood of the dead bird seven times on the person being purified of the skin disease. When the priest has purified the person, he will release the live bird in the open field to fly away. The person being purified must then wash their clothes, shave off all their head, and bathe themselves in water. Then they will be ceremonially clean and may return to the camp. However, they must remain outside their tents for seven days. On the seventh day, they must again shave all their hair from their heads, including the, the hair of the beard and eyebrows. They must also wash their clothes and bathe themselves in water. Then they will be ceremonially clean. On the eighth day, each person being purified must bring two male lambs and a one-year-old female lamb, all with no defects along with a grain offering of six quarts, a choice flour moistened with olive oil, and a cup of olive oil. Then the officiating priest will present that person for purification along with the offering before the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will take one of the male lambs and the olive oil and present them as a guilt offering lifting them up as a special offering before the Lord he will then slaughter the male lamb in the sacred area where sin offering and burnt offerings are slaughtered as with the sin offering the guilt offering belongs to the priest it is a most holy offering the priest will then take some of the blood of the guilt offering and apply it to the lobe of the right ear the thumb of the right hand and the big toe of the right foot of the person being purified. 
Then the priest will pour some of the olive oil into the palm of his own left hand. He will dip his right finger into this his palm and sprinkle it somewhere with his finger seven times before the Lord. The priest would, will then apply some of the oil of his palm over the blood uh, from the guilt offering that is on the lobe of the right ear, the thumb of the right hand, and the big toe of the right foot of that person being purified. The priest will apply the oil remaining in the hand of the head of the person being purified. Though through this process, the priest will purify the person before the Lord. Then the priest must present the sin offering to purify the person who was cured of the skin disease. After that, the priest will slaughter the burnt offering and offer it on the altar along with the grain offering. Through this process, the priest will purify the person who was healed and the person will be ceremony clean. Ceremonially. Ceremonially. But anyone who is too poor and cannot afford the offering may bring one male lamb for a guilt offering to be lifted up as a special offering for purification. That person must also bring two quarts of choice flour moistened with olive oil for the grain offering and a cup of olive oil. The offering must also include two turtle doves or two young pigeons, whichever the person can afford. One of the pair must be used for the sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. On the eighth day of the purification ceremony, the person being purified must bring the offering to the priest in the Lord's presence at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will take the lamb for the guilt offering along with the olive oil and lift them up as a special offering to the Lord. Then the priest will slaughter the lamb for the guilt offering. He will take some of his blood and apply it to the lobe of the right ear, the thumb of the right ear hand, and the big toe of the right foot of the person being purified. The priest will also pour some of the olive oil into the palm of his own left hand. He will dip his right finger into the oil in his palm and sprinkle some of it seven times before the Lord. The priest will then apply some of the oil in his palm over the blood from the guilt offering. That is on the lobe of the right ear, the thumb of the right hand, and the big toe of the right foot of the person being purified. The priest will apply the oil remaining in his hand to the head of the person being purified. Through this process, the priest will purify the person before the Lord. Then the priest will offer the two turtle doves or two young pigeons, whichever the person can afford. One of them is for a sin offering. A sin offering. And the other for burnt offering to be presented along with the grain offering. Through this process, the priest will purify the person before the Lord. These are the instructions for purification to those who have recovered from a serious skin disease, but who cannot afford to bring the offering normally required for the ceremony of purification. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When you arrive in Canaan, the land I am giving you as your own possession, I may contend. I may contaminate some of the houses in your land with mildew. I may contaminate some of the houses in your land with mildew. The owner of, of such a house must then go to the priest and say, It appears that my house has some kind of mildew. 
before the priest goes in to inspect the house, he must have the house emptied so nothing inside will be pronounced ceremony unclean. Then the priest will go in and examine the mildew on the walls. If he finds greenish or reddish streaks on the contamination appear to go deeper than the wall surface, the priest will step outside the door and put the house in quarantine for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest must return for another inspection. If he finds that the mildew on the walls of the house has spread, the priest must order that the stones from those areas be removed. The contaminated material will then be taken outside the town to an area designated as ceremonial clean. Next, the inside walls of the entire house must be scraped thoroughly and the scrapings dumped in the unclean place outside the town. Other stones will be brought in to replace the ones that were removed and the walls will be replastered. But if the mildew reappears after all the stones have been replaced and the house has been scraped and replastered, the priest must return and inspect the house again. If he finds that the mildew has spread, the walls are clearly contaminated with a serious mildew and the house is defiled. It must be torn down and all the stones and timbers and plasters must be carried out of town to the place designated as Sonmori Unclean. Those who enter the house during the period of quarantine will be ceremony unclean until evening and all who sleep eat or eat in the house must wash their clothing but if the priest returns for this inspection and finds that the mildew has not reappeared in the house after the fresh plastering he will pronounce it clean because the mildew is clearly gone to purify the house the priest must take two birds a stick of cedar some scarlet yarn and a hyssop branch. He will slaughter one of the birds over a clay pot filled with fresh water. He will take the cedar stick, the hyssop branch, and the scarlet yarn and the live bird and dip them into the blood of the slaughtered bird and into the fresh water. Then he will sprinkle the house seven times. And <clears throat> when the priest has purified the house in exactly this way, he will release the bird in the open field outside the town. Through this process, the priest will purify the house and it will be ceremonially clean. These are the instructions for dealing with serious skin disease, including scabby scores and mildew, whether on clothing or in a house, and a swelling on the skin, a rash or discolored skin. The procedures will determine whether a person or object is ceremonially clean or unclean. These are the instructions regarding skin disease and mildew. Okay. Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 56. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by the boat, by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got <laughs> there ahead of them. 
Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. It is already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms, villages, and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find some. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to eat. Share. Share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed from those loaves. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethesda, Bethsaida. While he sent the people home, after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus came in toward... In the morning, baby. Uh, at, <laughs> <laughs> at about three o'clock in the morning... Jesus came toward, well don't give me any tea, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. He intended to go past them, but when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then he climbed into the boat and, and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. They brought the boat to shore and climbed out. 
the people recognized Jesus at once and they ran throughout the whole area carrying sick people on mats to whoever they they heard he was to wherever they heard he was whether he went in villages cities or the countryside they brought the sick out to the marketplaces they begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe and all who touched him were healed. Amen. Okay, Psalms. Surrender your circumstances to the faithfulness of a great God. Meditate on the will and justice of God. Okay, Psalm 41 to 10 says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He's given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see, many will see what he's done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust in the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud, or in those who worship idols. O oh Lord my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. Amen. You have no equal, Lord. No one equals you. Beautiful. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. You take no delight in sacrifices or offerings now that you've made me listen. I finally understand. You don't require burnt offerings or sin offerings. Then I said, look, I've come as it as is written about me in the scriptures. I take joy in doing your will, my, my God, for your instructions are written in my heart. I told all your people about your justice. I've not been afraid to speak out, as you, O oh Lord, well know. I have not kept the good news of your justice hidden in my heart. I have talked about your faithfulness and saving power. I have told everyone in the great assembly of your unfailing love and faithfulness. Amen. Proverbs 10, oh. 11 to 12. <laughs> the world, words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. Amen. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all the offenses. Amen to that, Lord. All right, let's start a commentary in the Old Testament. It's really interesting about the mildew. Uh -huh. You know, we've seen a lady have mildew in her house, remember, in the trailer uh -huh. park? Yes. And we told God to thank God about the situation. Right. And what happened? Uh, she got some kind of a settlement from a class action suit. Uh, for that very uh, uh, coincidence that we praise the Lord I thought I thank God for it and 
out of left field, they came and they tore it all out and they repaired the place. Yeah, and it was like forty thousand dollars. It was a lot of money. I think they she put got. a new roof on her too. She huh? came into a lot of money. It's a beautiful uh, story. But I think the significant thing about this is uh, is the bird being killed over the fresh pot water. And then the cedar stick, the hyssop branch, the scarlet yarn, and the live bird, and dip them in the blood of the slaughtered bird and into the fresh water. So show, show me how they did. They had the, there was a live bird, and the live bird they dipped them into the blood of the other bird, and then the scarlet yarn. He would take a cedar stick, the hyssop branch, the scarlet yarn, and the live bird, and dip them into the blood of the slaughter bird and into the fresh water. Then he will sprinkle the house seven times. When the priest has purified the house in exactly this way, he will release the live bird in the open fields outside the town. Through this process, the priest will purify the house and it will ceremony. You know, there's a lot of uh, principles or chemistry in here that we don't see that's happening. The hyssop branch, we know what that does. That's just uh, kind of like a spreader. But the cedar stick and the scarlet yarn and, and the water, the water is like the radio station, the uh, intercom. It they dip it in the water, fresh water, and the water creates all those chemicals they're putting in there from the yarn, mm -hmm. from the cedar stick, the hyssop branch, and the other light bird. And it, and it creates a, a memory. It creates instructions. And then the guy takes takes and he sprinkles the house seven times with the hyssop stick. And it's got a little blood in it too. Impressive thing. And then he lets the bird go into the open fields. You know, I really think that that's uh, amazing. You know, we all understand it when we get to heaven. That's why it's so important for us to uh, imagine the blood of Jesus, two and a half gallons, you know, on the table. Is here purified, power and blood, a, a whole a pitcher full of clean, fresh, pristine water, wonderful water. We imagine and we bless it, and then we imagine and we say the scripture to God, and imagine His provisions on top of the scriptures. You know, but His word proved true; He provides for us. Amen. He sure does. Okay, that's great. <laughs> it's really teeth excellent. Um, I, I thought that the cedar was the hyssop. These are all things that seem to be represented at the at the at the cross. Are they? Well, the wood, the cross, right? I don't know if it's cedar know. or not. Okay. But the scarlet thread, I think, maybe represents the blood. Well, you have it's blood, you have bird's blood, mm -hmm. and but then you the have the water that came out from the side. Yeah, wasn't the hyssop given to him on the cross? Well, hyssop was a branch that you use it as a brush. 
I don't know about the hyssop. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they use a hyssop branch to give him uh, yeah, sour wine. I thought there was something. But there. I thought there was a sponge too. But remember, this is Mark's Mark's story, and Mark is historically is known to have written it the last, and he's gotten information from other ones. The um, let's see what the Mark what the study says. Yeah. Mark writes. That the disciples. Uh, what were we supposed to read? The commentary for the Leviticus? Or we're done. We're not going to read the study for the Leviticus? Why? Because it's very plain. Uh, you want to go ahead and read it? Yeah, I'll read it. Okay. God's instruction helped the Israelites diagnose serious skin diseases and mildews. This way they could avoid them or treat them. <laughs> These Were you asleep when I was reading all that? <laughs> no, I got it. These laws protected the people's health and the community's stability. The people wouldn't have understood the medical reasons for some of these laws, but their obedience to them made them healthier beautiful. Many of God's laws must have seemed strange to the Israelites. Unlike any laws they, they'd ever known for reasons they didn't understand. Still these resurrections restrictions, <laughs> restrictions <laughs> were for their good. Don't you feel like God's restrictions don't make sense sometimes? Do you ever wonder why obedience is so important in a certain area? God seems to have a good history of giving good counsel in every facet of life. Not only physical life, but also moral, spiritual, emotional, and even intellectual life. The Word of God still provides a pattern for healthy living. We may not always understand the wisdom of God's laws, but if we obey them, we will thrive. Okay, well, that's very good. You read it. Now, tell me, how does that apply, what you just read, when they talked about not to eat shrimp and um, catfish and not to eat pig? How does that stand, bacon? How does that stand in the light of that? How do you bring it to the New Testament and say, well... Um, well, I'll tell you how it stands. I think we should obey it and avoid avoid any pork products, any uh, any stuff that doesn't have any scales and stuff like this. But normally people eat that outright the buy because it's not that big of a deal. Same price, same thing. And you know what about? I I understand that the the shark, for instance doesn't have the fins you know but people do eat shark and you know what the reason is because they're, they're mahi mahi is shark not the dolphin I've been eating dolphin? mahi mahi is dolphin? I think mahi mahi is dolphin no I don't want any more I don't think so we don't eat dolphin in the United States the Japanese do eat dolphin well, dolphin is like eating a, a German shepherd 
Mahi mahi, I thought was a dolphin. Well, we'll Google that. Yeah, we sure will. One of the last Holy Spirit, one or the yeah. other. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, what do you think about what you just read in the light of the piggies? He says right here that God's counsel, importance, and good history, giving good counsel in every facet of life, not only physical life, but also moral, spiritual, and emotional even intellectual. The Word of God still provides a pattern for healthy living. We may not always understand the wisdom of God's laws, but if we obey them, we will thrive. Yeah, um, I mean, there must be a good reason. That's all I can tell you. No, you better tell me more, girl, because you keep buying that bacon, baby. Well, for your people, your that's for, that was for your pancakes. Okay, but if we, in the light of this... You tell your people we're having pancakes, we're having bacon. I'm only obeying what you tell me to do. Well, what else can we have other than bacon in a breakfast? What meat? Turkey sausage. Turkey sausages? Very good. I like that. Chicken sausages? <laughs> How about ostrich? No ostrich. Yeah, ostrich isn't—they don't want you eating it. But so you agree with me? So. But you can't agree the mildew and all this stuff if you can't include the piggy, because then it's 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 a double standard. We just read that God don't want you eating piggy, and you and then you read that He's giving us guidance to go by. And Jesus said, I come to fulfill it. You know, it might be that he did it that to, to test their obedience. You, you know, to see, if the, obedience? to see if they follow what he's saying to do to the I house. Why are there so many people sick in the United States? Eighty million people are overweight in the United States. Maybe a hundred million. And, you know. You know, I mean, because it doesn't make sense that God would contaminate it on purpose. Right? Well, that's another point, you know. We don't know. Maybe the person called it on themselves and God already knew that their way of thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, they were not appreciative of their walls or talking Mm -hmm. to the stones. I appreciate your house. That that almost calls for a... Commentary of some sort, just to kind of better no, it understand doesn't. it. We are the common. We got the Holy Spirit inside of us. Holy Spirit, what do you think about this? He says to move on to Mark. You're in the yeah. New Testament. Those are for he Old Testament. He says, why didn't you listen to Graham Cook? <laughs> I warned you. I gave you the. He input. says the Old Testament is for dead people. And the New Testament is for live people. Kenneth Hagin said that. But you wanted to go through it. You wanted to because read Because you it. always make us read that. I do not always. Today read. you didn't want to. Well, another Let's go to Mark. Okay. I thought you would be more enthusiastic about yeah, the 5,000 fed. Okay. Okay, okay. You know, there's there's more about Jesus here. Well, you, I just, I, I wanted to know more about this mildew thing. Why, so why, why would I do that? Why? why? What are you going to use it for? Okay. So and what application? Then why am I reading it? We're reading it because we're looking for Jesus. Oh. That's why we're Did you find it in the mildew? 
<laughs> well, the only thing agree. Leviticus is telling me is that there's a lot of extensive sacrifices. Ah, you are a attorney family. Yeah. You're trying to bring it up. So there's just a lot of offering. It's very Can complicated. Very complicated for people to do these things. You said that. that we don't do that. Jesus has eliminated everything. Okay. Well, the Old Testament, the offering process, it's just a lot. I understand that. We talked about that before. Okay, la, why do you ask my opinion? Mark 6.52. Drink your tea. I'm already done with the tea. I'm not going to drink anymore. Mark writes that the disciples' hearts were too hard to take it in. That's a really interesting point. Okay, what is it, why did he say that his heart... Uh, would you read Mark 6.52 for me, please? Mark writes that the disciples' hearts were too hard to take it in. Now, why do you think their hearts were too hard? Well... Okay, it says right here, in other words, excuse me, the disciples didn't want to believe. Maybe they couldn't accept the fact that this human named Jesus was really the Son of God. Maybe they couldn't believe that the real Messiah would choose them to be his followers. Or maybe they still did not understand Jesus' reasons for coming to earth. Their disbelief took the form of misunderstanding. Their theories about Jesus' identity weren't ex explaining everything. Like walking on water, even after Jesus fed 5,000 people, they still refused to consider that one last possibility that Jesus was the Son of God. They could not take their final step of faith and believe if they had Jesus stroll across the lake would be made complete sense. <clears throat> Is your heart hardened against God? Even Christians can be hard-hearted to Him. Are you still trying to make sense of God using an old theory you have? If God just not making sense to you, maybe it's time to look at how you're trying to explain God. As you read this Bible, open yourself up to how God reveals Himself instead of trying to fit Him into your own expectations. And that brings a good point that you said earlier about obedience. Mm -hmm. You know, when God is silent, we obey. When the fruit is not here, we're like Habakkuk. We praise the Lord for the, you know, for the we just consistently bring the glory of God into the into the situation, you know, into our lack, if there is lack. Well, I think that um, this is a lot for them to look at. You know, I mean, they. This is this is the only only Mark is the only one that says that their hearts were hardened; they could not believe. Yeah. You know, I. They were amazed. I mean, it does say they right were amazed. Right after that, Peter jumped into the water. He believed. Mm-hmm. He believed. You know, he just and the other and the other reports he believed. I know there was two. There was four thousand men. Maybe the one then, but the one that. Uh, this one, this account, he doesn't say anything about Peter, right? Right. He, then he climbed into the boat, doesn't say anything about Peter. Not in this account, no. You know, uh, but the I other mean, one says they were terrified, so we, we have to understand that uh, the, they, were, they were writing this real fast. Okay. Well, 
Well, I think the thing is, is there, you know, there, I don't know how many more miracles they saw before this. But these two are pretty major, if you if you look at I, it. Well, yeah, I don't know, but us, maybe because they need the Holy Spirit in their hearts. And they already had went out and they returned yeah. from their ministry tour. Right. They could have taken years or months yeah. and they have done taught. Yeah, they, just, they could have seen more things. Yeah. They, they would have believed with the authority they've been giving them. Yeah, and they've been seeing Jesus operate. They were already operate. believers, unless they were... The only thing I can think of is that Cause they... Because remember... In, in Mark chapter 5, they've been, they've been seeing these miracles along the way, so this shouldn't really be... The only thing I can think of is when I work too hard and I am totally exhausted, you don't believe. You know, you just want... And it's 3 in the morning and they've been... They were mm. totally scared mm. and they're rowing all night and stuff. That's hard, huh? You know, so probably their... It was... It, their courage left them. Yeah. Their courage left them. Yeah, when you're tired and... You're physically tired. Yeah. You don't. Yeah, you know, it's interesting in this area. Um, uh, wow, you know, it's almost like he's, Jesus is a celebrity and people know and they're following him. You know, they really, you know, at the beginning when it opens up and it speaks of, you know, he wanted to get away by themselves so they could rest. He was looking to rest. And, um, you know, it, the people, it said, for many towns ran ahead along the shore and got ahead of them. And he had compassion on them. That's nice. That's a good point. He had compassion on them. Did you notice that they got away from the people so they can rest? That's what I said. Yeah. He just said that. And then he goes to the other side and there they are. And he had, he had, what did they say? They don't have a shepherd. Yeah, that's what I was going to get at, is that the reason he had compassion on them is because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them in many things. That's where we come in. We come yeah. in as shepherds for him mm -hmm. and the people we talk to, you know. We just mm -hmm. give them principles that they can run on their own and mm -hmm. grow. Amen. Uh, but, you know, I just wanted to make a point on the uh, five lows. He blessed them. The original doesn't say he gave thanks. Right here, he blessed mm -hmm. them. And he says he kept breaking them, and then he kept giving it to them. Right. So apparently, they were multiplying in his hands. Right. So mm. he was probably seeing them in the spirit. They were coming out of the air. You know. The moisture in the air was turning to bread. As long as he had the principal one, the elements were making a light copy of that, um, everything. And he did with the fish, too, because he also divided the fish for everyone to share, too. Same thing like the bread. You know, he kind of probably broke it up, the fish. Yeah. I, like what he, I like the way he told them, you feed them. You do something, you know. He told them, because he said, send them away so they can go to a but, farm and eat something. And Jesus said, But it doesn't say uh, that them. he was testing them like the other ones mm -mm. did. Yeah, right. Um, now, what is signify uh, how much five loaves and two fishes? Okay, one man say he eats one loaf. Sounds, a loaf sounds like a lot, right? Uh, one, one guy eats one loaf and one fish, and he's got. So in other words, he's got enough bread and fish if he multiplies it for 200. 
2,500 people for their families. So he multiplied, multiplied it for about over 4,000 times the fish. He made about 4,000 loaves and about 4,000 fishes to feed everybody. Because he had two of these that had to be two. And, they, and it says here they all ate as much as they wanted. In other words, what, what did I do today? Today I blessed a $100 bill. Right. And I blessed it and I multiplied it a thousand times. And a thousand times a hundred dollar bill is not ten thousand, it's a hundred thousand. And I blessed it, you know, for God's work. And you have faith and you bless it, so like that. Mm -hmm. That, you know, we multiply for God's work. To, so we can feed five thousand, right? We yeah, can easily feel, feel five thousand with a hundred thousand dollars, right? Yeah. And we can eat as plain as we want, too. There'll be so much. Your money will go a long ways getting rice and beans and beautiful. So we're, we're going to pray with all our heart. I like anything else? Um, I like that, you know, he, he went off by himself to pray. And it said, late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake. And Jesus was alone on the land. But he saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard, striving, I'm just, and struggling. And it was, it was about, um, against the wind and the waves, about three o'clock in the morning, he saw that they were really toiling. So he, he intended to go past them. But when they saw him walking on the water, then they thought he was a ghost. But here's, here's Jesus, three o'clock in the morning, concerned about them. And, you know, just striving just to 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 get through this storm. Why sleep, man? <laughs> I mean, what were they doing? You know, they were already exhausted to begin with. Right. And they came across the other side. Now they feed the four thousand, and they're they're working. Now immediately Jesus tells them, "Go over to the other side." So now you know why their courage left them, and their hearts could have been hardened. They haven't slept. You know, so. It must have been already late, getting dark, and maybe they did try to fish, right? But 12 of them in one little boat must have been very crowded. Yeah. Okay? They were probably hungry by now. They had all the yeah. leftover food with them, the fish and stuff. Yeah, you're right. If hearts could have been just too tired to really take I mean, all this they were in. exhausted. They yeah, were... I mean, I know when I'm exhausted, I, like... I'll be lying there, and then I'll just all of a sudden I go, Jesus, you know, I just start blurting stuff out. I'm tired. Um, but here, you know, they, they thought he was a ghost. Well, look at it in Mark And 16. they cried out in terror. You know, when you're tired, you get up, you're like, <gasps> that, you know, it scares you. Look at right here, and the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry. They had just walked a long way. They had just come mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. They come back from different yeah. places. Uh -huh. And they told him all they Everything had done. done. Mm -hmm. Then Jesus, let's go off ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming yeah. and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't have time to eat. So they yeah. left the boat. So they were already completely exhausted. They said, man, this following Jesus is a lot of work. 
They get to the other side. They feed 5,000 people. They got to put bread. And then go out there and pick up all the loaves. Mm -hmm. They didn't let the people take the loaves. They picked up the leftovers. Mm -hmm. You would think you would give it to the people. Then let the people right away. Jesus, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that the disciples get back in the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. So let's say, for instance, he went up to the hill by 8 o'clock. He must have prayed for about five hours. Maybe he took a nap. <laughs> and he too get tired of his disciples. He just laid it, you know, and he sent yeah, them away. And he said, some quiet time. <laughs> but, but, you know, he went and uh, he rested. And he reinforced his spirit, right? Refreshing. Refreshing. Heavenly Everybody Father, we thank you for the reading of your yeah. word. There was one more point I had here. One more point. Yeah. Um, okay, so that was at number... Is that a, is that a, is that a revelation or no, an it, observation? Um, I don't know. I just thought it was quite interesting. <laughs> um, after they crossed the lake, they landed at against Gen... Gennesaret, and they brought the boat to shore and climbed out. But the people recognized them there. They recognized Jesus, and they ran. I like that. I mean, I'm just in my head. I'm picturing this. They ran through the whole area, carrying six people on their mats to wherever they heard he was. So, you know, imagine you hear, you know, word gets out. Jesus is here, and people are starting to. I know it's very. It's very, uh, I mean, I have a picture in my head like people like are, you know, um, yeah, we do too. Yeah, we we got the same experience when we, we ran through the whole area carrying six people in mass, wherever mm -hmm. right. But the most significant thing about that is the fringe of his robe. That's exactly what I was gonna get oh, to. Oh, well, you hurry up, just get to the point. So, anyway, um, <laughs> they brought him out. out to the marketplace, they it says they begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. So prior to that, in Mark chapter five, with the woman with the issue of blood, she must have testified because now everybody wants to touch that robe. That's a very good point. I like that. <laughs> so anyway, that very was it. good point. It spread. It spread. Did, that's yeah. all they did. Yeah. And that's all yeah. they begged. That's interesting. They begged. They wanted to just touch his robe. And they did. And they got healed. So, amen. I'm telling you, my God wants to heal anybody who comes to him. Jesus is Lord. And I like that Howard acknowledged that today. Amen. Okay, thank you. We don't know who that is, but let's just thank God that we're recording this and recording for the friends. Thank you, Lord God, for the thing. We give you praise and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. February 24th. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for today's reading. We thank you for these fabulous apparatuses you have, Lord God. The high, high technology that we could use, Lord, to demonstrate your faithfulness, Lord God. And Lord, to, work, to love you with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our souls, and all our iPhones, Lord. Everything we can possibly can, Lord God, to so you, so you can instruct us, Jesus, in the way we should go and keep us, Lord. We need keeping, Lord. Thank you for the reading of your word. February 24th. Amen. Uh, yes. Leviticus chapter 15. 
to chapter 16, verse 28. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Any man who has a body discharged is ceremonially unclean. This defilement is caused by his discharge, whether the discharge continues to or stops. In either case, the man is unclean. Any bed on which the man with the discharge lies and anything on which he sits will be ceremonially unclean. So if you touch the man's bed, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water and you will remain unclean until evening. If you sit where the man with the discharge has sat, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water and you will be remain unclean until evening. If you touch the man with the discharge, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water and you will remain unclean until evening. If the man spits on you, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water and you will remain unclean until evening. Any saddle blanket on which the man rides will be ceremonially unclean. If you touch anything that was under the man, you will be unclean until evening. You must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water and you will remain unclean until evening. If the man touches you with, without first rinsing his hands, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water and you will remain unclean until evening. Any clay pot the man touches must be broken. Any wooden utensil he touches must be rinsed with water. When the man with the discharge is healed, he must count out seven days for the period of purification then he must wash his clothes and bathe himself in fresh water. And he will be ceremonially clean. On the eighth day, he must get two turtle doves or two young pigeons and come before the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle and give his offering to the priest. The priest will offer one bird for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. Through this process, the priest will purify the man before the Lord for his discharge. <coughs> Whenever a man has an emission of semen, he must bathe his entire body in water, and he will remain ceremonially unclean until the next, the next evening. Any clothing or leather with semen on it must be washed in water, and it will remain unclean until evening. After a man and a woman have sexual intercourse, they must each bathe in water, and they will remain unclean until the next evening. <laughs> When a woman has her menstrual period, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. Anyone who touches her during that time will be unclean until evening. Anything on which the woman lies or sits during the time of her period will be unclean. If any of you touch her bed, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water and you will remain unclean until evening. If you touch any object she has sat on, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water and you will remain unclean until evening. This includes her bed of any other object she has sat on. You will be unclean until evening. If you touch it, if a man has sexual intercourse with her and her blood touches him, her menstrual impurity will be transmitted to him and he will remain unclean for seven days any, and any bed on which he, she lies will be unclean. If a woman has a flow of blood for many days that is unrelated to her menstrual period, it, or if the blood continues beyond the normal period, she is ceremonially unclean. 
as during her menstrual period the woman will be unclean as long as the discharge continues. Any bed she lies on and objects she sits on during the time will be unclean, just as during her normal menstrual period. If any of you touch these things, you'll be ceremonially unclean. You must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. When the woman's bleeding stops, she must count off seven days, then she will be ceremonially clean. On the eighth day, she must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons and present them to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will offer one for a sin offering and the other for a burn offering. Through this process, the priest will purify her better, her before the Lord for the ceremony and purity caused by her bleeding. This is how you will guard the people of Israel from ceremony uncleanness. Otherwise, they would die, for their impurity will defile my tabernacle that stands among them. These are the instructions for dealing with anyone who has a bodily discharge, a man who is unclean because of an emission of semen or a woman during her menstrual period. It applies to any man or woman who has a bodily discharge and to a man who has sexual intercourse with a woman who is ceremonial unclean. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of Aaron's two sons who died after they entered the Lord's presence and burned the wrong kind of fire before him. The Lord said to Moses, Warn your brother Aaron not to enter the most holy place behind the inner curtain whenever he chooses. If he does, he will die, for the ark's cover, the place of atonement, is there, and I myself am present in the cloud above the atonement cover. When Aaron enters the sanctuary area, he must follow these instructions fully. He must bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He must put on his linen tunic and the linen undergarments worn next to his body. He must tie the linen sash around his waist and put the linen turban on his head. These are sacred garments, so he must bathe himself in water before he puts them on. Aaron must take from the community of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron will present his own bull as a sin offering to purify himself and his family, making them right with the Lord. Then he must take the two male goats and present them to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. He is to cast sacred lots to determine which goat will be reserved as an offering to the Lord and which will carry the sins of the people to the wilderness of Azazel. Aaron will then present it as a sin offering, the goat chosen by Lot for the Lord, the other goat, the escape goat, chosen by Lot to be sent away, will be kept alive, standing before the Lord. When it is sent away to Azazel, in the wilderness, the people will be purified and made right with the Lord. Aaron will present his own bull as a sin offering to purify himself and his family, making them right with the Lord, and he will slaughter the bull of a, as a sin offering. He will fill an incense burner and burn coals from the altar that stands before the Lord. Then he will take up two handfuls of fragrant powder, incense, and will carry the burner and the incense behind the inner curtain. There in the Lord's presence he will put the incense on the burning coals so that the cloud of incense will rise over the ark's cover, the place of atonement. 
that rests on the Ark of the Covenant. If he follows these instructions, he will not die. Then he must take some of the blood of the bull, dip his finger in it, and sprinkle it on the east side of the atonement cover. He must sprinkle blood seven times with his finger in front of the atonement cover. Then Aaron must slaughter the first goat as a sin offering for the people and carry his blood behind the inner curtain. There he will sprinkle the goat's blood over the atonement cover and in front of it, just as he did with the bull's blood. Through this process, he will purify the most holy place, and he will do the same for the entire tabernacle because of the defiling sin and rebelling of the Israelites. No one is allowed inside the tabernacle when Aaron enters it for the purification ceremony. If the Most High forces, if the uh, in the Most High place, no one may enter until he comes out again. Now, after purifying himself, his family, and all the congregation of Israel, making them right with the Lord. Then Aaron will come out to purify the altar that stands before the Lord. He will do this by taking some of the blood from the bull and the goat and put it on each of the horns of the altar. Then he must sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times over the altar. In this way he will cleanse it from Israelite's defilement and make it holy. When Aaron has finished purifying the most holy place and the tabernacle and the altar, he must present the live goat. He will lay both of his hands on the goat's head and confess over it all the wickedness, rebellion, and sins of the people of Israel. In this way, he will transfer the people's sin to the head of the goat. Then a, a man, then a man specially chosen for the task, will drive the goat into the wilderness. As the goat goes to the wilderness, into the it will carry all the people's sin upon itself into a desolated area, land. When Aaron goes back into the tabernacle, he must take off the linen garments he was wearing when he enters the most holy place, and he must leave the garments there. Then he must bathe himself with water in a sacred place and put on his regular garments and go out and sacrifice a burnt offering to himself and a burnt offering for the people. Through this process, he will purify himself and the people, making them right with the Lord. He must then burn all the fat of the sin offering on the altar. The man chosen to drive the scapegoat into the wilderness of Azazel must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water. Then he may return to camp. Amen. Amen. Mark, Mark chapter. I'm not done. The bull and the goat present as sin offerings whose blood Aaron takes into the most holy place for the purification ceremony will be carried outside the camp. The animal's hides, eternal organs, and dung are, are all to be burned. The man who burns them must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water before returning to the camp. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 23. I'm good with my tea. Uh, one day some Pharisees and teachers of religious law... <laughs> ...from Jerusalem to see Jesus. 
They noticed that some of the disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of land washing before eating. The Jewish, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands. As required by their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked him, Why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat for, without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Jesus replied, you hypocritical hypocrites. hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but with their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, but for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. <laughs> For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own traditions. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents, and you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come, And here, all you who listen, he said, try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles your you. You're defiled by what comes from your heart. Then Jesus went into the house, to a house to get away from the crowd, and the disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. Don't you understand either? He asked, can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Hmm. Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. Interesting. And then he added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within of a person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within they are what defile you. Yeah. Uh, Psalm 40 verses one, 11 to 17. 
Lord, don't hold back your tender mercies from me. Let your unfailing love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles surround me, too many to count. My sins pile up so high, I can't see my way out. They outnumber the hairs on my head. I have lost all courage. Please, Lord, rescue me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. May those who try to destroy me be humiliated and put to shame. Amen. May those who take delight in my trouble be turned back in disgrace. Let them be horrified by, my shame, by their shame. For they said, Ah, we got him now. But may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, The Lord is great. As for me, since I'm poor and needy, let the Lord keep me in his thoughts. You are my helper and my savior. Oh my God, do not delay, Lord. Amen. Proverbs 10, 13 to 14 says, Wise words come from the lips of people with understanding. But those lacking sense will be beaten with a rod. With wise people treasure, treasure knowledge, but the babbling of a fool invites disaster. Amen. Amen. Let me read this. Uh, Mark chapter 7, 6 through 9 mm -hmm. says that uh, Jesus replied, You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, And these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Then he said, you skillfully decisive God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. For the Pharisees, obeying God's law was not about loving God. Instead, they obeyed in order to profit, to appear holy, and to heighten their reputation. Obeying God's law was a means but for their own ends they were using god's law for themselves not for god they had become their own god hypocrisy is not knowing is knocking at a door when we are more concerned with our reputation than with our character if we're doing church while our hearts remain distant from god and if we're emphasizing where we're obedient but pointing out where others are failing you can obey God without loving Him, but we can love God without obeying His commands, John 14, 15. But in the end, obedience without love isn't really worth your time. Paul writes that if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I, do, I, did, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, 3. To the Pharisees who were obeying for their own benefit, Paul responded by saying that they had gained nothing. Have gained nothing. What's motivating your obedience? If it's your reputation, feeling, or self-righteousness, long-drawn habits, or is it love? Amen. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Interesting readings because uh, 
You know, it's interesting when Jesus said that you change the traditions because you you say you don't have to take care of your parents because I've given your portion to the church. Yeah. You know, they weren't using that. They were using that as, as a propaganda to the regular people, even the people that weren't um, weren't priests or things. They say, oh, you don't have to take care of your parents. You can give it to God, you know. And Jesus was standing for the parents as much to, to building up the church. Yeah, they needed something. If they needed something, you know, it's... You know, he's saying, hey, point. you know, it's like, even take care of a, them. Even though there's a blessing in the tithe, you know, there's also a blessing when you honor your mother and father according to what the commandments do. And that was just one of them, you know. You had quite a bit of them. In the Ten Commandments, it didn't say you must tithe and give 10%, right? It's just a revelation that we should have, that if we have it, you do. Well, you got a lot of examples of 10%. Um, you know that. Abraham gave 10% of yeah. how he took. He started yeah, that. Yeah, that was before the, the law. But uh, the other part right here, it says, you know, I don't think by saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. I don't see him saying that. The Holy Spirit doesn't, doesn't, because whatever you put in your mouth defiles you, it doesn't defile. I mean, he's talking about the heart right here. And he's just trying to make the point. I mean, this is not, somebody must have put this in there. Well. You know, by saying this, declare that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. Because um, <laughs> there's a lot of verses that that they have saying, go, this is not in the original, this is not in the original. Mm -hmm. You know, they're putting in the 16th century. Mm -hmm. um, because he's talking, you know, it goes quite out of context. He's talking about, you know, he, tell, he gives him the parable. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. And then Jesus went into the house to get away from the crowd. And the disciples asked him what he meant by parable. He just said, don't you understand either? He asked, can't you see that the food you put in your body cannot defile you? Okay. But, you know, any food that a Jewish person put in their mouth was not defilement. You know, it was not, and Jesus, and that thing about Peter, that happened a while back after this. This happened first. Jesus was still there. When that thing, when, Je when Peter yeah, saw that book, thing book, coming down, and, and it says, Peter, kill and eat. And then he goes and he, and he gets people saved. So they're because kind of, you know, saying, it's really not talking about food. It's talking no, about souls. It's talking about, because it says don't. Don't call what I call clean unclean. Yeah, I tell you, like people. Gentiles, yeah. yeah. And then again, right here, it just does, it doesn't mix in. It's it's not a strong argument with me. You know, he's talking basically about uh, what comes out of the heart. Mm -hmm. The heart comes defilement and so forth and everything. Well, it is in parentheses there. So it's by saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable. That's not what he's declaring. He's declaring that uh, evil imaginations will come out of your heart, and don't say them. It says, it says you're going to get contaminated. But it's in the other place. He says, is how you respond, 
or watch out for the person that these offenses come through. If these offenses are coming out through you, whoa, to you. That that was what defiles you. Anyway, I'll bet you there's another commentary, but Yeah, I wonder how the other accounts the other accounts are I, they don't the other accounts don't have that. That must be uh, Mark, right? Because he's just throws it. Oh, we are in Mark. Yeah, Mark speaks. You know. Okay. But you know, this is for a great introduction for it says. Uh, what were you like before, Fernando? Well, I had evil thoughts. Sexual immorality, death, murder, I don't know if that person died, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. But I'm not like that no more. Thank God. Thank God we're not like that no more. <laughs> yeah. that's a, that covers a lot there. Yeah, you know, and that's what we tell people that we've been delivered from. You don't know what's, what's this foolishness, drinking. Don't even have drinking. Don't have thievery there. Deceit. Pride, huh? Lying, don't have those things. <laughs> not honoring your parents, not honoring God. It's amazing how, he, you know, Jesus does value, you know, compassion for people's needs. And then, uh, amen. And then the other concern about cleanliness is just something else, huh? Mm hmm. How much cleanliness, how much God did not want, uh, or how easily bacteria can spread. Yeah. You know, and, and they must, and it's interesting, he said, if you don't do this, you're going to die because, you know, the tabernacle will kill you. You know, you get close to the tabernacle, it'll burn you up. They're doing it for their own, for their own good. Yeah. And going back to Mark. 7 verse 8 <laughs> um, or even uh, above there um, before that which is number uh, Jesus replied you hypocrites Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you is there yeah I prophesied about you for he wrote these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. You know, um, there's a lot of man-made ideas out there. Don't do this, don't do that. Don't wear pants to church. Put a little veil on your head when you come in, you know genuflect before you go in the pew. I mean, it's incredible what man has put. Those are easy ones compared yeah. to other religions. Yeah. I mean, you know, compared to the Muslims, yeah. you know, they're made, made, made laws. Right, but yeah, but they're not our God. They have their own God, their own. And uh, I don't know what religion it was, but some guys are still mad at the women for eating the apple. <laughs> I seen them get up, and the women they're all crying in the corner. And I go back a year later, and they're heavier, and their hairs are more, and they're still crying on the corner. And the man and the and the guy comes from out of town, and he starts picking on them. You know, talking to them like that, that they're 
they're wearing those long Mennonite dresses and stuff, and they're crying because uh, Eve ate the apple. <laughs> I've seen that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They were being blamed for <laughs> Eve eating the apple. And, oh, man. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's just, you know, don't eat this, don't eat that, you know. Hey, man, thank you, Lord God. vegetables, you know. Yeah, you know, um, I really believe, you know, on this. No meat, but eat all the sugar instead, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So he's talking, and so you cancel the word of God in order to hands down your own traditions. Mm -hmm. And this is only one example among many others. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come to them. Now that was the argument, right? The hypocrites. Yeah, but I like the way he says it. He says, you skillfully sidestep. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you unintentionally do that. You're doing it with skill. And then, well, you know, they were greedy. They wanted the people not to give and say, hey, well, I got my parents way at the other town. I got to give them money. He goes, no, no, no. You can better give it to God. Give it to us. We're the representatives of God. Now, that's what they were teaching. Mm -hmm. They were teaching more greed yeah. towards themselves and teaching it to the people. Mm -hmm. You see? He said, I, and, I, and try to understand, he tell. Try to, it's not what goes into your body that defies you. You are defiled by what comes from her. Now, he was talking, that was the same topic as this over here. Yeah. Okay, that's the same topic. You know, you're needing your, your parents. Your worship is a farce, man, you yeah. know. So, in other words, it's it's their teachings that's defiling you. Mm -hmm. What's inside of their hearts. Yeah, then Jesus went into a house to get away, and they said, Don't you understand either? Yes, you can't you see that the food you put in your body or, or the words the teachings that come into you food food doesn't go into your heart okay the teachings they won't get you if your spirit feel f full of god good is going to come out of your heart you're going to take care of your you know so it's, it's just do yeah. common sense things it and would take be, care of your parents it would be a normal thing for you dude yeah for you to care for your parents right. you know stuff like right. that um or you know because they had so many of them, so he had to cut to the chase. He said, they're teaching you wrong things. Uh, from he had it, from the, the hearts, the way they're, they're doing, they're, they're coming out with evil thoughts in their hearts. All this stuff, greed, wickedness, deceit. He's still talking about the, 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 the lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these vile things come from within they are what defiles you and they're and and they're what the pharisees are activating in people you know you teach people you teach people now what if we do long bait i don't know it'd be good to read another translation go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. pass my bedtime Okay, Mark, what translation will give it up? I'm thinking about the Message Bible. What do you think? Go ahead, yeah, great idea. That is the app. No? Mark 7? Mm-hmm. Well, you put the right twist to it, the Message. Mm-hmm. Except, 
don't understand this guy. <laughs> no pennies from heaven from him, huh? Well, because <laughs> you talk about it. <laughs> We're still recording, honey. Okay, well. Hurry. Oh, he says, uh, Hang on, hang on. Let me read this. Okay. And he went on, Well, good for you. You get rid of God's commands so you won't be inconvenienced in following the religious fashions, Moses said. Respect your father and your mother, and anyone denouncing father or mother will be killed. But you weasel out of that by saying that it's perfectly acceptable to say to your father and mother, Gift, what I owe you, I given as a gift to God, thus relieving yourself of obligation to father or mother. You scratch out God's word and scrawl a whim in its place. You do a lot of things like this. Jesus called the crowd together again and said, Listen, now all of you, take this to heart. It's not what you swallow that pollutes your life. It's what you vomit. That's the real pollution. When he was back at home, after being with the crowd, his disciples, we don't get it. Put it in plain language. He said, are you being willfully stupid? Don't you see that what you swallow can contaminate you? It doesn't enter your heart, but your stomach works its way through the intestines and is finally flushed. That took care of dietary quibbling. Jesus was saying that all foods are fit to eat. Now this one says the same thing. He went on, It's what comes out of a person that pollutes obscenities, lust, death, murders, adulteries. All these are vomit from the heart. There's the source of your pollution. From there, Jesus sent out. Okay, it's not. How about the good news translation? Who's got the guts? Uh, he said, That took care of dietary quibbling. That's the message Bible. He went on to say, It's what comes out of your mouth that makes you unclean. For from the inside, from your heart, comes the evil ideas which lead you to do immoral things, to rob, kill, commit adultery. All these things come from the inside you and make you unclean. In saying this, Jesus declared that all foods are fit to be eaten. Hmm. Easy to read version says... When Jesus said this, he meant there is no food that is wrong for people to eat. I guess I'm not going to find a controversy. Huh? looking for a while I'm just wondering well maybe you're right the amplified I'm almost done honey the amplifier says this thing doesn't switch over that easy got stuck Amen.